Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Passages out of Joshua chapter 3. I missed you guys last week. I was here. Where were you? No, just kidding. Well, yes, Neil wanted me to preach to the dog, but I didn't know how that would all go, so... I know he's pretty smart, Neil. This, this morning we're in jo- uh, Joshua chapter 3, uh, and it's a pretty exciting story. And as I read the story, I want, you to, I want you to really think about what's going on in this passage. It says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went out through the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass it on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters... Go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come, come here and listen, and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you, Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. So when the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at the flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests carried the ark, carried, who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a to- town called Adam in the vi- vicinity of Zetharin, where the water flowing down to the sea in the Ar- Arabath, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood out on dry ground while all of Israel passed until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. May God add his blessing to the reading. And the herd goes out. You gotta, you gotta love that. I mean, 
I kind of like it. It creates quite a rumble. It does create quite a rumble. So I missed you last week. I'm glad you were safe. I want you to remember that we are working our way through Joshua. Uh, we're in Joshua chapter 3. Um, the plan is to go through at least five. I think we'll go through five. Uh, but you can, may remember that week one we talked about preparing to go, and we talked about preparation. And uh, when Joshua told the people after 40 years to, pre- to get prepared to go, and then the next week we talked about Rahab and her faith and how God used people around the Israelites to help them as they work their way to the promised land. And today, today is the day. Did you, you didn't realize when you came, to, today was today, did you? Today is the day. It would be Sunday. But it is today. Today is the day that God fulfills the promise to the Israelites. That's not anything normal. This is a big day. So you guys don't look very excited this morning. Man, you're going to make it hard on me. Come on. I know it's cold out. I know it's snowing. That's, not, that's normal, right? Mom's voice rings in my ears and says, don't act like that. <laughs> we should be excited. Today is the day in Scripture that God's promise is fulfilled. That's not a normal day. You remember that Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham was promised this land. Not him specifically, but his descendants. They were promised the land. Hence the promised land, right? Some 400 plus years prior to going to the promised land. Isaac in Genesis chapter 6 was again reminded that I will give you those lands. Because I swore to Abraham. The promise continued to be out there. I'm going to give you this land. Jacob was promised the land. God didn't forget the promise that he had promised to his people. Now, we know that God's people got tangled up, right? And they had to go around the rock about 40 years. They messed it up. But God did not forget his promise. How about promises for you? Are promises easy or hard for you? Easy to make, right? Most of us would say, I can make a promise pretty easily. But how about keeping those promises? Let me make it a little easier for you. This is going to be back and forth, all right? We're going to do a little bit of Sunday school right here, all right? Because I need to wake you up, because I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Otherwise, I don't have a water gun. If I had a water gun, I'd just squirt y'all. But I don't have that. It's in my office. So I'm going to ask you to think about a scripture promise that you can recite or remember, or at least remember a piece of it. Let me give you an example. There's a scripture that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Have you ever read that promise? Be anxious for nothing. Do you remember that promise? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you remember that promise? Brian Renner remembers that promise. 
How about a couple other promises? Liz. Rainbow in the clouds for my everlasting love. That's an awesome one. Janet? Amen, right? God started a good work, and he's going to finish a good work. Brian Renner, what do you got? I have a place for you. I have a, a plan and a place, right? God has a, yes. Any others? Larry? No weapon against us will Amen. No weapon against us will prosper. Sometimes we have a hard time understanding that or uh, feeling these promises, right? Connie? Amen. Train up that child, right? If you didn't hear that, train up a child and, and they will not depart. Neil Beersley, what do you got? I was looking right at you. <laughs> Emmanuel, yes, very good. Right? There will be this Christ child come to us. And that promise was there, right? There are a lot of promises. And you know what? I think we hang on those promises most often at those moments when we got nothing else to hang on to. Am I right? We're hanging on for dear life, hoping God comes through. He promises to come through, but what happens sometimes? Sometimes he doesn't come through fast enough, right? He doesn't come fast, or at least fast enough for me. Um, if there's one thing I don't have, it's patience. I always say that. That's a virtue I'd like to get before I die. Patience. I don't have it. I probably will never have it. Uh, I'm hoping. I think God's working on that plan. <laughs> there's a uh, scripture in Second uh, Peter 3.9 that reminds me that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. It reminds me that even though the promises don't seem like they come fast enough, that God still answers those promises. I can remember waiting. Um, my nieces and nephews went to Disney last October. And so last spring or sometime, they realized they were going to Disney. And they're all of the, uh, you know, I don't know, 10 or 12, 8 and 6 range, old enough to know, and old enough to be of the technology age. And so they have this app, if you don't know. They have an app as a countdown app. I didn't even know it existed. But they were so excited about going to Disney that they had this app on the phone. So every week I would see them. I would say, all right, how many days are left? And they'd, they'd get out their, uh, their mom's phone and be like, 49 days, 3 hours and 27 minutes. And they lived in this anticipation that they were one day going to be going to Disney. And I can't help but believe that the Israelites weren't living in some anticipation that God was going to deliver them to the promised land. That it wasn't going to be forever. Now they had been, it had felt like forever, but God had promised and he was going to come through that promise. A couple of things happen in this passage that, are, uh, that intrigue me. And the first one is... Uh, Uh-oh, that might be a bad sign. Hey, it's red flash. The first thing that uh, I see in this passage is that we need to refocus on God. Do you know that in this passage, uh, they say, what, do you know what they say to look towards? Did you catch that? Did you catch what uh, 
what they said, told the Israelites to look for that would be out in front of them? The ark. Does that sound odd to you? It should sound odd to you, because what did God put before them up until this point? A cloud, and what else? And a pillar of fire, right? Up until this point, God had a pillar of fire or a cloud in front of them. Everywhere the pillar of cloud, or pillar of fire and the cloud went, they went, right? They followed that. All of a sudden, that doesn't work anymore. We changed the plan. Why do you think God would change the plan? And, and say, follow the ark. Maybe. It was a symbol, exactly. That was the symbol of God. That was the image of God for them. That the ark, inside that ark was Ten Commandments, and the, uh, the rod of Aaron was in there, That's, uh, amongst a few other things. God said, listen, I want you to follow the ark. The priests are going to carry this ark. You haven't been there before. Interesting comment, right? Interest. You haven't been there before, so I want you to follow this new uh, sign. God wants them to refocus their attention on him. Up until that point, it had been light, pillar, and uh, fire, and clouds. And, up, and now it's, I want you to begin to focus on me. And so I have to ask you this morning, what areas of your life need to be refocused on God today? What areas need to be different than they were? See, we're a month in. I think we're a month in. Um, oh, sorry, there's the ark. That's just a rent, you know. Oh, somebody made a picture. Um, we're a month in from January. I don't know if you knew that. So most of us, anybody still doing their New Year's resolutions? All three of you, <laughs> right? We've already forgotten about our New Year's resolutions. doesn't take us long as a people to lose our focus. I don't know if you noticed that. We've already lost our focus. It doesn't take long to lose our focus, does it? We quickly, uh, as people... So God puts this ark in front of them, and he says, listen, I want you to follow this ark. Now, I want to show you what they were up against, because I don't think it's... I think we, we don't really think... We, we say the River Jordan, what does that look like? It says the River Jordan was at the flood stage. This is what it looks like. That's what it, the actual River Jordan looks like when it's at flood, flood stage. It looks like that. And just so you know, it's 150 miles long. There's no way you're going around it. You're either going through it or above it or down it, right? Um, they said when the spies probably went across, they probably had to swim for their lives to, get, to try to get across it. And they would have had to pick a spot. This is what they were up against. So they got a chance to camp out for a couple days next to the river that God was going to deliver them from or through, right? it probably would have felt much more like this, right? That would have probably been a better setup. I don't know if you've ever done that. Uh, I've done that about four times, four or five times. Every time I go, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> and then I go again. I don't get it. So I've, been, I've done this with, uh, with my wife a few times. Um, so one time, one time we were going down, and I don't know if you've ever done this. If you've 
If you've done the whitewater thing, you know that the water level makes a whole lot of difference to the, to the ride you're going to have. The lower water tends to be a lot more rapids and uh, harder to get through places because the rocks stick up and you get bounced around. The high water, which you would think would sound bad, is actually not too bad because it pushes you over top of those rocks uh, and it runs you right down the river and it's a lot faster trip. So my wife and I and I don't know, our kids were in a thing and uh, we're going down and it, it was similar to this. It was a pretty good rough ride that day. And uh, there was this turn. I can't remember what it's called, but there was a left turn, a right turn, and another right turn, and then you had to go. I mean, there was just no way. You just had to go around this huge rock. And if you didn't take care of it, business by paddling, you were in trouble. Well, somehow in the middle of this, I lost focus. And we looked like that, and I was in the back, and the next thing I knew, I was in, on my head in the water. Uh, upside down, like, oh, the world's about to end, right? Now, this is where it gets crazy, because I lost my focus on paddling and trying to keep the, the raft going in the right direction. But my wife, on the other hand, decided that she wanted to be married to me for a long, while longer. She literally grabbed me by the scruff, I think by the shirt, or maybe by the hair, I don't know, <laughs> and pulled me out of the water. I know that sounds crazy. That's how adrenaline works, right? She literally pulled me up over that. I mean, it's not, it's not like this high of a raft. The raft is easily eight, 16 inches, probably 14, 16 inches. She pulled me up over that raft and back into enough, far enough into the raft to get me uh, to survive. We made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we did it again after that. So what's that tell you? Something wrong with me, right? But I had lost focus on what was happening, and I didn't pay attention to what was going on in the raft, and that's how I got tossed. And that's what happens, right? We, we quickly get tossed when we aren't paying attention. When we aren't listening for God, we lose our focus. And then we wonder what happens. See, his promise didn't stop. The Israelites' promise didn't, it wasn't like God said, eh, I don't promise anymore. He still had a promise for them. But they had lost their focus. He said, I want you to follow that ark. That will help you keep the focus because you've not been there before. I don't want you going the long way. I want you to follow what I'm going to take you through. The second part is that he tells them, you need to prepare yourself for what's going to happen. He said, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourself. That's a nice big word. It's a nice big word for purify yourself. Purify yourself, because I'm going to do amazing things among you. You know, we watched that, uh, if, if you were here this morning and you watched the countdown timer, and you saw the countdown timer of that family that looked like they had it all together and then chaos was at home and it went back and forth. I wonder sometimes if we come to worship so worried about how we look or how we act or how we'll be treated or looked at or what people will think of me that I can't come and purify myself. That I can't come and get right with God while I'm here. Set yourself apart 
is what he says. Set yourself apart for God. So let me ask you this question. What would that look like this morning? What would it look like if all of Greenfield Baptist this morning decided, I am going to set myself apart. I am going to purify myself before I leave this church today. I just want you to think about that. We aren't going to do it because I don't know what it would look like for each of us. But I want you to think about that. How would you purify yourself? Think about this. I, like, I love this illustration, right? I think we come to church with that dirty water. And God wants to purify us and clean us. And yet sometimes we come with a mindset that says, I don't want to be clean. I'll take my garbage back home with me, thank you. I'll take my stuff that I'm dealing with and I'll take it right back out the door. He says, bring it to the altar, lay it in front of me, and I will help you deal with it. And yet we choose not to do that. We choose not to ask God to purify our hearts. You know what? We all have desperately wicked hearts. Join the club. Maybe if we got a little more real about that part, it would be easier to deal with. So what would consecrating yourself or purifying yourself look like this morning? What would it look like in your life? Would it look like fasting and prayer? Would it look like a corporate prayer with other believers who know exactly what's going on in your life and are willing to keep you accountable? Would it look like seeking God's forgiveness for the struggles in your life? I think one of the struggles that we have as believers is that we are afraid to let anyone in to know what our struggles are. Because you know why? You won't like me nearly as much if you knew what my struggles were. You probably wouldn't even let me be your pastor. Right? We are humans, but you don't. How often do we share our struggles with other people? How often are we transparent in order to allow people to see who we really are? We say, well, God knows everything I do. He does. And maybe sometimes we should take it to him. And maybe we should take it to the altar and say, you know what? God, I know that's where I'm at. I am desperately wicked on my own. Maybe that's what someone needs to do this morning, is lay that before the altar. See, because there's a third part to this passage. It's the most important part. God's about to do a miracle in the Israelites' life. He wants to do a miracle in your life. See, I, I think sometimes we see this scripture and we see this great story and we think, that's awesome. I wish I would have been there. I wish I would have been there to see the River Jordan actually stopped and I could have walked on dry ground and got across and I would have saw a million people go across the water. That would have been super cool, right? I wish I could have saw that, but it's all in the past. And yet, he wants to do a work in you that is no less a miracle than that was a miracle in the Israelites' life. That's a nice picture. We didn't have real, they didn't have digital cameras back then, so they had to paint the picture, right? 
So here's the challenge. The challenge for you is that maybe, just maybe, it's not about God not doing a work, but it's about us not being available or seeing God do that work. Sometimes we just don't pay attention. We don't pay attention. We're not willing to look for God and focus our attention toward God. We're not willing to continue to move forward and to purify ourselves. It's kind of like me. This is not me, but it looks kind of like me. i got to tell you this story. I like telling stories about myself because my parents are here and they can tell you that it's true uh, if you don't believe me. So in first grade, I, I was just telling this story this week, so I like this story. In first grade, I got in trouble a lot. First grade was uh, not a great year for me. Kindergarten must have been all right. I can, I can remember in kindergarten I did all right. But in first grade, I started to get in trouble. In trouble enough that my parents had to be called. You know you're in trouble then, right? It's one thing to get in trouble and not get caught, but when you're in trouble enough that you have, your parents have to be called, you know you're in trouble. Seems that I couldn't stay out of trouble, that I caused problems in first grade. I know you're thinking, a six-year-old, how much trouble can they cause, right? What they found is that I was bored. I quit paying attention to the teacher. So this was like me, right? The teacher's in the background, and the teacher's still teaching. The teacher didn't quit teaching on me. I quit listening to the teacher. I quit paying attention. I decided that getting in trouble would be more fun until my parents found out. <laughs> I thought it would be way more fun. See, the teacher was still teaching. The teacher was still doing her job to trying to teach me what was going on. And yet I just decided I wasn't going to pay attention. I was in La La Land. It's quite the... Uh, it's quite funny when you think that I'm still in, I think about being still in school now a gazillion years later and uh, enjoy school. And back then I just couldn't handle school. I didn't like it. But I have to ask you, are you paying attention to what God's saying in your life? He wants to work miracles. He wants to work those miracles in your life. But you have to be able to be able to hear him. I don't know where you're at this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you can't see a difference in your life when you met Jesus Christ, then there's a question i got to ask you. Did you really meet him? Because knowing all about him isn't enough. Right? You can know all about this Jesus, but not accept him as someone in your life. Because if you've accepted Jesus, it will change your life. I promise you, you will see a difference. Let's pray. Lord God, we do come to you this morning and we are thankful for your word. Thankful, Lord, that we can take a moment to refocus our energies and our uh, desires, Lord, our life, focus our life.